And one of the things I just said, hey, man, when you're out there talking to the banks, see which one of them will do construction to perm and lock the rate up front on the construction mm-hmm. loan and roll it directly into a permanent financing. It's all one loan. Yep. So the rate's locked up front. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant here. Going to talk about a hot topic today. As a matter of fact, Heather, I don't think I told you this, but I just got off the phone with my commercial lender this morning, and he said that he pretty much wanted to take two weeks off and come back and hope things calm down. (laughs) If only. (laughs) So if you haven't figured it out yet, we are going to talk about interest rates and what in the world is going on with interest rates. And you know what are we going to do about it, Heather? Because, well, there's not much we can do. I don't have a direct line to the Fed. And I have zero pull with the Fed. I don't know about you, Heather, but I don't. Yeah, we'd be pretty cool if we could do that. I mean, it would be pretty cool if we just said, hey, hang tight, let's not do that. <laughs> but we don't get to say what they do. So we decided we'd talk about some things that we actually can do today. Yes. Because there are some things that we can do. I mean, yeah, definitely. And I think that people who are trying to buy real estate, like Heather and myself and a lot of you out there, a lot of our clients, we're chasing these rates. It's kind of nuts right now. Yes. But there are some things that we can do, at least that we can think about. And there's some good news lurking. And I think when you combine some of the good news with some of the crazy volatile news, it makes for a pretty rosy picture. So anyway, without further ado, let's kind of get into it, Heather. We're so different than a lot of people in the industry that we've always focused on cash flow and long-term buy and hold and not your quick appreciating properties and all of that stuff. So it's not as scary. I would start with, I'm not terrified by rising interest rates. Been here. Yes. We've got a few t-shirts, Heather, few (laughs) t-shirts. It's just not like the sky is falling and that there's a need to be afraid because we've always focused on the fundamentals of cash flow, not banking on appreciation, right? That you're buying in markets that can support a long-term rental. We're not mm-hmm. doing vacation rentals, stuff like that. So we are in a niche that's pretty protected from rising interest rates, I would say. Yeah. Now that said, I mean, if you're looking at a pro forma and the pro forma rates are four percent now they're five well that has a dramatic mm-hmm. impact on your cash flow and sure. so i think what most people don't understand is that there's a few levers you can pull to mess with cash flow right mm-hmm. and it's really important to understand what those levers are so that you can go into these deals with your eyes open and depending on what the deal is we're going to talk about several different things today because some of you have new construction or contracts some of you are trying to buy rehabbed properties And each one of those has different challenges, right? And so when you can lock your rate is different in all of those different deals. And I think the rates are going to go up another two or three times this year. So that's basically what the Fed has said. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and how fast they're going to go up. So we all need to get ready for it. Yeah. And not be paralyzed by it because like you said, Ron, I mean, we're both buying right now. (laughs) You know, I think that I just got off the phone 
with somebody we were talking about interest rates and I was talking about apartment. We were talking about commercial deals, but the principle is the same. I refinanced a deal a couple of years ago and my rate was 4.59%, which was a screaming good rate at the time. And everybody thought interest rates were going to go up at that point. Yes. Right. And so I locked in this unbelievable rate. By the time I got ready to sell the property, that rate sucked. It was so bad that literally last year, somebody paid a million dollars to get out of that loan to get into a different loan at a lower interest rate. That's how horrible my 4.59 rate was. Now, that seems silly. That yeah. seems silly. But the difference between three and a half, which is kind of where we were, and four, because we're right back where we were with commercial loans, four, seven, five, anything sub five right now is pretty good, right? So four, mm-hmm. between four and a half and five, which are unbelievable rates. So we just put it all in perspective. That's an unbelievable rate still. Anyway, it wasn't too long ago. That was a historically low rate. And now it's, for some reason, this is a horrible rate now all of a sudden. But that said, the rates are going up and they're going to be north of five. And you know they might scratch the door of six. Who knows what's going to happen this year? So let's get prepared for it. And Heather, we've been doing this for a long time. And we actually do have some suggestions for some yeah. people so that you guys can continue to buy and make sense out of purchases. All right. Yeah. When um, we're vetting properties, we're doing things just a little different right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the first one we already talked about, Heather, that's just to focus on cash flow, right? To figure out how do we make the properties cash flow sufficient so that we can move forward. And I mean, you just have to look at the deal a little bit different. Mm-hmm. One of the easiest things you mentioned before, which we're doing right now, which I probably would have completely overlooked because it's kind of a no-brainer, mm-hmm. but at the same time, <laughs> it's something that is so simple to do that I think people are overlooking it. And that is, if you're buying a property that already has a tenant in place, Heather, what should they do? Make sure your rents are right. I mean, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I just it had- It's kind of like a no-brainer. Yes, but you might just forget, right? I mean, if you have a good property manager too, they have an eye on that. I just had my property manager email me this week and say, hey, your tenant, their lease is expiring the end of this month. And I think we should raise rents 50 bucks. The market will allow for it. And this property, they've continually raised rents. And I said, go for it. Like, Let's do it. So they'll keep their ear to the ground on rents and just make you aware. Let's raise the rent. Some leases will have a clause in them that it just auto renews with a bump in rent. So that's a little different. But in this instance, it's just that they're going to be raising rents on this tenant. Um, And the tenant, I may say, hey, if the tenant box at it, just keep rents where they're at because I have a tenant that's going to renew all day long. However, when we get a property in and they have a current tenant in place, you better believe we're going to the property manager and confirming what it can rent for when that tenant moves out. Because it's right now, it's almost always more than it's rented for right now. Which I, and, makes a big difference. And you know, this is something I think part of the reason I thought this was uh, kind of a no brainer is we literally, when we're looking at apartment complexes, that's literally what we're doing. We're trying to figure out what's one of the things that we're, mm. think we're trying to consider is how far are the rents undervalued if they're undervalued? And so I guess in the single family space, it's not quite like that because the appreciation comes from the comparable sales around the property, not from the P&L. And so in the apartment world, you're trying to affect the net operating income through the P&L. And that's one of the ways to do it. 
right? To add value. You really don't add value to a house or to a duplex by increasing the rent. It increases your cash flow, but it doesn't increase the value. So I don't think people are consciously looking for that, but we yeah. should be right now. All right. Yeah. And then just as an educational process, it's perfectly okay to buy a property that's under rented right now and wait for the lease term to be up, knowing that you can increase the rent. All day long. And that's one of the ways that you can actually get a decent deal nowadays. Mm -hmm. So for sure, people should be looking at that. And that's just a super simple one, right? That people should look at. And sometimes Um, your rents are going up, but they're not going up as fast as purchase prices in mm -hmm. a lot of markets right now. So we know that rents are going to go up and they are going up, but it's not keeping pace with the price increase. So the ROI is dropping, but we know it's going to catch up. I mean, just logic. These are 12 month leases. You have a 12 month lease. You can't Mm -hmm. just raise the price every month because the price of the home went up. So it just takes time. And a lot of our markets, I talked with a builder in Oklahoma last year, and he said it was about three months behind from what he could tell, that it took about three months for rents to climb up and keep pace. So sometimes what we do is we will negotiate prepaid property management to help offset because if you can increase the rent on the property 50 bucks when the tenant moves out and the management fee you're paying is 80 bucks a month it's nearly going to offset that cash flow will continue once that tenant renews and you bump up rents or else you get a new tenant in there so yeah and again guys this is stuff that you should be doing all the time anyway right mm-hmm. but right now it becomes critically important so that yes. you can continue to find cash flowing deals right so these are some of the things that I guess is our secret sauce, so to speak. But we, I mean, I don't think any of them are secrets. Moses has been doing that. You know, this has been around since Moses was a baby, probably before (laughs) Moses was a baby. So I don't think any of these things are so crazy, but we keep getting questions about these kinds of things. And then we read in other forums where people really don't have proper answers for some of this stuff. And so it's just important to understand. And we've got a ton more. So let's start going through these, Heather. Mm -hmm. So we've got first two, right? Check your rents, make sure that they're right. If they're not right, well, then figure what it's going to be when the people move out or you raise the rent on them and make sure your cash flow is going to be good and then go ahead and buy it. And or if it's new construction or if it's something where the rents are going to increase, let's see if we can negotiate a couple of years worth of some kind of offsetting fee where we can raise the rents in a year or two years and offset that cash flow, right? Yeah. Another way to get into properties. I'll add something to that because this is something that I've had a few clients ask me like, well, why don't I just take a price reduction? Why don't you just reduce the price by that $2,000 credit? And if you do the math on it, with rates as low as they are, because they're low, it barely impacts your monthly payment. It's like no difference in cash flow. But if you get a credit of $2,000 paid to your property manager and you don't have to pay property management for two years, yeah, that's a massive impact on your cash flow. And we also are capped at 2% of the purchase price for conventional loans for seller incentives. And so, we have to sometimes get creative. If we have negotiated some closing costs and we want to add prepaid property management, we can't lump it all in with closing costs. The lenders won't allow it. So if it's paid to the property manager outside of closing, no problem. So makes it work really well. Something else too is the type of loan makes a big difference. And so if a conforming loan isn't going to work 
based mm-hmm. on what you've negotiated. You can always also go non-conforming because we're finding that non-conforming loans, some of the non-conforming loans, the interest rates and the terms are almost identical. And so if you can get someone who will allow a little bit more, then that might not be an issue anyway. Right. Yeah, because so, I'm looking at an arm, an adjustable rate mortgage on a property in Florida that I'm building because I'm like, man, the rates are so much lower. I'm probably not going to hold this thing longer than five to seven years. So a five-year arm isn't going to be as scary <laughs> as I yeah. once thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think depending on what the situation is and what you're doing, there's different loan types right? that you can yeah. look at as well. And then there's another one I think people overlook a lot, which also is very simple. And that is you can buy the interest rate down. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to hold the property for a long term, and there's always a break-even point, usually like a couple of years. So if you're going to hold it longer than a couple of years, then sometimes it's worth buying the interest rate down. And some of the properties, like if we've negotiated some closing costs to be built into the deal, you can use those closing costs to actually buy your rate down. So if the rate's starting at five, you can potentially buy it down to four and a half, which obviously affects your cash flow. Mm-hmm. And it affects it long-term because these loans are locked for 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So again, something ridiculously simple that we don't hear very much. Mm-hmm. I mean, Heather, we were just talking about a couple of threads that we were on and people were asking questions about rates and what it was going to do to real estate. No one brought it up. It's one of the yeah. easiest things you can possibly do. Yeah. Just buy and- the interest rate down. And we often get the seller to give a credit to the buyer, but the buyer then has to use that money to buy down the rate, right? So it is simple math, like you said, Ron. I mean, usually I just say, okay, this is my amount that it's going to take to buy down the rate. I go through this with clients almost weekly. I say, okay, it's going to cost me two grand to get half a point reduction. And just as an example, so I just say, okay, what's that going to save me every month on my mortgage? And then I divide it by the $2,000 and I see how many months it's going to take for me to make back that two grand. So if I'm going to hold the property for three, four or five years, and it, I make back that two grand in two years, it's a no brainer. So it's now, pretty mean, simple w- math. One of the things I was on the phone, talk to my commercial lender today, because people are building properties to rent, we sell those. And then larger institutions are doing that. And everybody is right now chasing interest rates, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I just said, hey, man, when you're out there talking to the banks, see which one of them will do construction to perm and lock the rate up front on the construction Mm -hmm. loan and roll it directly into a permanent financing. It's all one loan. Yep. So the rate's locked up front. And we have some people who do that right now, Heather. And for a little while, banks are going to be willing to do that. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. But for right now, there are banks who will do that. And so it's important that we ask those kind of questions too, especially if you're buying a new construction deal. Why not? Let's see if there's a local bank who will do a construction to perm loan, right? Another thing that's really not that complicated, it does change the structure of the deal because a lot of people are not doing the construction loan because the builder's taking out the construction loan, but it's a pretty easy conversation to have up front with the builder if you need that kind of a deal to say, hey, can we do a construction to perm where I take the construction loan out, maybe get a different deal with the builder, who knows, but it might be a way for you to lock your rate and not have to chase the rate around. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people know that that's an option either, but it is. Yeah. I think one part in there that we could talk a little bit more about too is the local banks. Because we, on, on some duplexes we got fairly recently, I reached out to a local bank and got really good terms for our clients 
because they know the area, they know the project. Sometimes I'll even reach out to the bank who has the note for the seller, who's holding the note for the seller. And they often want to keep the project because if it's cash yep. flowing and it's coming to us, they usually want to keep it <laughs> in their portfolio. Yep. So I've been really successful doing that too, getting people to continue to finance. Especially I, yeah. where conforming rates are going up and you can shop right now, local banks actually have better rates than some of the conforming products. Mm -hmm. And so it pays to do a little bit of shopping on those particular, if you're doing construction on those loans, right? Because if they do know the project and they do know the builder, oftentimes, like Heather said, they actually want the paper. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose the loans, right? Yep. And sometimes like in Kansas City, I know there are banks that do construction loans but there's other banks that know who the builder is that love to do the permanent part, yeah. right? So that it may not be the construction loan bank that does the financing, but the permanent loan bank actually does and they, they want to keep the paper. So they'll structure something as well. Yeah. Another good tip that most of our clients know, because we've told them, but that you can buy in your personal name in order to get conventional loans. If you tried to buy in the name of an entity, then you can't get a conventional loan if you're buying in an LLC or something. So our clients will buy in their personal name to get better terms on the lending and then deed it into an entity post-closing, an entity that they own, of course, but a way to another way to kind of hack against getting a lower interest rate, I guess, for getting a lower interest rate. And then one thing that's popped up in the last couple of weeks that has surprised me is 25% down instead of 20% down. Usually it yields a lower interest rate. Like that's not new. However, it's made more sense, just math to do 25% down. And I, there are very few times that ever makes sense. In other words, right. that the ROI is higher with 25% down versus 20. So yeah. In other words, the rate is that much better yes. people. In addition, when you're talking about all these levers, you know, all these levers shouldn't be pulled or moved independent of each other. Sometimes they have to be moved together. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Sometimes if the 25% down rate is better, sometimes the buy down is also better on the 25%. Good point. Right? So sometimes just asking the right questions of the bank is really, really important because it can make a huge difference. If you're talking about a quarter of a point difference on rate on a 25% down, and then you can also get further down with a rate buy down than you can on the 20%. It just means the bank wants you to, they want to loan 25% down paper. And because of that, they're making it more attractive, right? And so if you only ask the one question, you're only going to get one. But if you ask both, it may be a twofer. You might actually get a better spread on the rate buy down and start at a better interest rate to begin with. Yeah, good. That was good. I would say another point that I just talked to, I met a client live yesterday, which was super weird for me. I don't do that very often on Zoom. Wow, or somebody on the came phone. to see you. I know it was weird. Is, <laughs> um, wow. So I was talking to them about cost segregation and explaining, you know, the 100% bonus depreciation that you can write off is going to decrease after this year to 75% instead of the full bonus depreciation. And their eyes were like, wait, what? And I said, yeah, it's significant. And if you can, they can qualify as a passive real estate professional. And I said, in that point, they were like, who even cares about like everything else? I'm going to buy just to get that final year of solid depreciation, you know? So that was kind yeah, of so something. Take, 
mindset. take everything into consideration, right? I mean, I think there are people out there who would tell you that you could buy a negative cash flowing property because you get the tax write-offs and it offsets. True. I think that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Or you can buy a solidly cash flowing property that may not be as good as it was four years ago, but get 100% bonus depreciation. That actually is a no-brainer. Yeah. And then imagine if you can do all of that and pull a couple of other levers. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, this 1% increase that we've had, which is not earth chattering to begin with, it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. And all of this is going to become more and more important as we start to head north towards 6% because the prices aren't going to adjust immediately. I think that's another fallacy out there that people think that everything's just going to collapse and prices are going to adjust. I literally don't think it's not going to happen. It's going to take some time. It's also not going to happen, I don't think, in the commercial world. There's going to be a lag where there's this cap rate compression that happens and people are still going to be paying ridiculous prices for properties, even though interest rates are going up. And they don't necessarily track equally, I guess is what I'm trying to say, always. Eventually, I do think it'll catch up, but nobody knows how long that's going to take. And so in the interim, it's really important to understand one of the big drivers of cash flow is your financing. And you need to understand how to use all of the benefits, I guess, that are available to you to make a good deal, a better deal. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a lot of secret sauce, Heather. Yeah, it's so many that every property we're getting in vetting on our side, we're running through that list yep. every How can single we make time. this better? Yep. And if it only if it's close. If it's not close, eh, you know, but if it's close to meeting our criteria, then we say, all right, let's pull some levers, right? And it's really about negotiations with the seller on our end as well to get those additional incentives. But we're also reaching out to lenders. Usually right now, it's almost two, three times a week to figure out rate because rates are kind of volatile right now. So knowing what's happening is uh, staying current. It's going to be really helpful. So, Well, it's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch unfold over the next little bit. And we wanted to give you guys just some tools so that you can remain in the market right, and not be concerned about it. So that's right. hopefully that was helpful. And hopefully that makes it so that you can easily get out there this week and go make something happen. Easily make it happen. I love it. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.